welcome back to an episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. We are not in the studio today. We are all in our homes doing some physical distancing, but we still wanted to get together and, and talk. Uh, seems like now more than ever, teachers might need ideas to share with families and families with young children might be looking for uh, ways to keep supporting kids uh, need to move to learn. So we're, we're all here. I'm here with Mike Hello. and Ross. Hi, Joey. And Tom. Hi, Joey. And sort of a, just a loose, a loose conversation. I'm just imagining um, there might be some things that uh, were sort of against house rules that maybe families need to find a way to um, offer kids. I mean, going outside is still an option here in Minnesota and everywhere people can go outside that's not dangerous weather. Um, but I think the reality is people are spending a lot more time inside with their, with their families right now. And I'm just imagining, you know, don't run in the house might need to change to where you can run in the house or, or that kind of thing. So that's what I was thinking of talking about, just kind of ideas for adapting what we do in the classroom that people can do at home. Yeah. And on Facebook, I had mentioned um, that couch cushions are a favorite, you know, that if you just take them off and put them on the floor, suddenly kids will usually go into some sort of hot lava game right away or something like that, or build a fort with them, just sort of flop down on them or, you know, jump on them. So, I mean, just thinking about things like that, I don't know, that's, that was my first thought. Yeah. They're good to squish under, too, like you put, oh, you yeah. lie on the couch cushion, put another one on top, and then you can kind of squish through the cushions. That's a good, that's a good mm -hmm. game. Make a sandwich or make a burrito. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then afterwards, you could actually make a real sandwich or a real burrito for lunch or for a snack. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that I do with my um, grandson, we have an, uh, a hallway that's probably about 12 feet long. And uh, we, we sit down, you know those balls that you have with the ball pits? Yeah. We use yeah. one of those balls on the floor and we use wooden spoons that come from the kitchen and we hit back and forth. Oh, so kind of like hockey. Like hockey, but you're sit you're sitting and you're hitting it back and forth, and maybe you're trying to get it by the the, the next person, like a hockey goal. But it's amazing how 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 active that is. It's uh, not you know it's not like running, yeah. but it's still very active, using your hands and hitting the ball and trying to do it faster or slower. It's right. actually, and we've been doing it for years, and it's actually quite a good game. If you don't have a hallway, then you can figure out some kind of narrow area that you could hit back and forth. But again, it's really simple things with a, with a uh, ball pit ball and wooden spoons that you use yeah. for stirring in the kitchen. We called that uh, knee hockey when I was yep. up. We used to do it all the time. I've heard it called shinny hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, well, a great, that's a great one, Tom, because you don't need a hockey stick. You just need a wooden spoon. Or yeah. even, I mean, your hands work too. I mean, I don't know how – long it's socially acceptable to keep playing but i think we played even in college in the hallway using old fruit or maybe bagels from the dining hall uh but we played <laughs> similar games uh yeah long into uh young adulthood um what did you use for sticks ross hands okay and sometimes feet okay sometimes well there's a few people that had actual hockey sticks but that involved other things getting broken so yeah no no, don't no. encourage that one but um, similarly, though, I think some families who have that kind of maybe designated play area room space or something like having uh, with the idea of the what was nice about the 
ball pitfalls that you're bringing up, Tom, is that they're really lightweight. So even if they kind of fly through the air, there's little concern of personal damage or it really breaking stuff. You know, you can move the breakables out of the way, but if it hits the wall, it's not going to put a hole through the wall. And I'm thinking of other, like even just target practicing games that I would play just with myself, like setting up my action figures or Lego people I would create. And I would, uh, I had a nerf uh, dart gun or a ball popper gun. And I would try to do some targeting, stuff like that, but making a bigger course where maybe you have beanbags or small pillows or stuffed animals. And you can set up things where you're, you know, standing a few feet away from the wall and maybe drawing different targets and taping them up and having some kind of, you know, object manipulation opportunities. Because I think I was was thinking about targets because in my in my classroom, there's a silly game that they like to play. We happen to have this ball that's covered in a suction cups. It's like a small ball that each, but the surface is covered in suction cups. And people probably don't just have one of those in their house. If they did, then they're set. But I mean, the kids will play for like a half an hour straight, just throwing it at the window of the door. The door's got a you know glass window in it. And I was just thinking about the satisfaction of that target, uh, you know, throwing something at a target. So what you were saying, Ross, of like setting up, whatever stuffed animals or other toys and, and throwing things at them or whatever, I guess you good old like trash basket basketball or something like that. But there's something I think satisfying about throwing specifically at a target. So I was trying to think about how to. Yeah. I think that using the terminology we've been coming up with, that's the motivation. Right? Ah. Yeah. Um, and different kids are going to have a different motivation. There are yeah. going to be some kids who will like, they can choose the target. And I think that's important. And, I think one of the differences right with this episode is we're probably talking to parents who have kids of different ages. Yes. Right. So a school age child is probably going to want a target that mimics basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas a preschooler probably doesn't care at all about that. And, you know, the first target might be the wall. Like, you know, can you get it right way to the wall? Right. That's success. And then as they get successful with it, um, then it might narrow the target or they might decide, you know, it sounds like in your classroom, Joey, it's kids who had some throwing abilities. So then they really were choosing a target that was a little smaller. Yeah. And they just move, move accordingly to their, oh, I mean, yeah. more like a foot away from the door. You know, they just kind of move according to their ability. Yeah. You know, it, it adjusts quite nice. Something about like, That's true. you know, throw in the ball of socks over the couch, you know, what kind of obstacles you can, you can so, incorporate. Well, I want to, I want to put in a plug for it throwing the ball in the in the house yeah yeah in the classroom and the important thing is what kind of ball you're using yeah Yeah. (laughs) but again we use we do that in the hallway that same hallway and we we try and catch different ways so Mm -hmm. sometimes we'll throw the ball high and you'll catch and you'll have to jump or we'll mm-hmm. sit down and we'll throw it back and forth. And then we lean back to catch it. And it's really good for the core muscle. And what, and what we did just this last week, um, we, we were throwing the ball in the stairway from the basement to the, to the first floor, which really was, I, I was really surprised at how much different throwing becomes when you're throwing up or throwing yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And so you're using different muscles, but it's still a lot of fun. And I think so thinking of a house, like rolled up socks are a great, you know, thing if you yeah. stuff that a lot of stuff that's breakable. Rolled up socks. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll fly. And if you have white socks, you can say you're having a snowball fight, you know. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I remembered is that you can put it like a tennis ball or something in a longer sock and do that sort of I forgot what they used to call those. You know, just so when you throw it, it's oh. a catch. You're not describing like a prison beatdown. 
No. No, no. I mean, it's the same idea, though. <laughs> so isn't it a bandolero or something like that? Where, where I like that. Something like that where you can swing it around and throw it. And... Yeah, and then the idea is that, like, if you can even throw it like a ball when you're inside a preschool, um, but it's it's harder for a preschooler to catch a ball when it's moving, but if, it, if there's a trail, you know, the right. rest of the sock More to kills catch. the movement better. So it's yeah. easier to catch, and they usually miss the ball part, but they catch the sock. Yeah, yeah. Of simplifying it a bit, so. Oh, I shot. I... Beat down, because you know that the kids are going to figure that. <laughs> Tom, were you saying something? I don't know if there's more to talk about with throwing and catching, but I do think we need to um, suspend the idea of no throwing inside. Yes. We just have to adapt it, um, because it's still, it's still necessary. Yeah. Similar, I was thinking about, uh, I mean, maybe some families already you know, have flexed some of their family rules, but I was, you, where can you jump? I think kids really like to jump. Yeah. What, what can you jump? Staircase has always been one that seems to just inherently, both me in the house when my sister and I were young, is how high, what's the highest step that you can jump from before you get yelled at? Um, but I think it might be creating, again, using going back to the couch cushions, going back to having blankets on the floor as kind of a, a landing zone, but creating those spaces where you can do some jumping or, and it could be from higher levels down. It could be, you know, multiple kind of jumping from, you know, making, uh, like hula hoop spots on the floor and like hopping uh -huh. kind of like a lava game and like creating something where, you can have multiple kind of trails through the house to try to get through the, can you get from your bedroom to the basement only hopping in these spots? And again, that's going to be the creativity of the families, whether the materials you have or right. taping squares on the floor. And I think we're focusing a lot inside, but I think this is something too, where if you have a yard, if you have a park nearby, this is that place to, to make sure you can get it. If you, if you don't have a home that feels safe or conducive to that kind of big, you know, jumping, landing, big kind of body input that it makes, maybe this is where you go, okay, how do we, do we go down to the, the park that's a little down, you know, a few blocks down the way where we can do that, where we know we have that retaining wall that yeah. we always kind of had to stay off of, but well, do we really have to stay off of it? Can we make it a jumping spot? And what would we need to change? So I think that's similar to the, the hour to hour updates that we get, I think really asking those questions that we've talked about in episodes past of like the how and the why, like really do it. Why do we still have this rule and do we need to suspend or change it based on where we're at? Right. Or even for a per certain time of the day, I mean, all these poor parents who are trying to work from home, you know, probably can't be like jumping time when someone's got their meeting with their boss, but you know, maybe um, figuring out, you know, when that could fit into the day. I'm also thinking about sensory play which is something that, you know, I think is so easy to do in the classroom because you've got, most of us have a, a sensory table or water sand table that we can use and most families don't have something like that. And, you know, most kids can't necessarily keep water contained when they're playing with it. And in the classroom, it's no big deal if it goes on the floor, but depending on your situation in your house, it could be a bigger problem. So when thinking about that, I was doing the dishes in, in my house the other day and I looked and I thought, oh, I have a divided sink, you know, the kind with two, one sink on each side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that would be perfect because you could have one side full and one side empty with your containers. And, you know, Tom always talks about how kids like to transport from one to the other and you've got it kind of right there and pretty well contained. So I was thinking about, you know, emptying out the sink and letting a kid stand on a chair. You could probably, that would probably work pretty well. And I think it's worth 
Just reminding people that, you know, old towels, like have them ready to go. Yes. So you always allow more if you're prepared for the mess beforehand instead of watching it and then like, well, don't drip on the floor. Right. Just an impossible ask. And, and knowing that if you get some of your older towels, when all of this ends, maybe you can go out and get other ones. Because I know it's normally I recommend going to thrift stores and buying towels, you know, simply for this purpose. But it's not right now. But most people are shopping. So, but, you know, just thinking about, well, here's, you know, something that I'm going to sacrifice for the, uh, the time that we're here. This is going to be the, the floor rag. Because you need something fairly big to really yeah. clean up a mess like that. Yeah. And it will get on the floor. That's a good, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, maybe, maybe I missed the part of it, but I think you know, putting the towels down first and having yes. the absorption ready rather than, oh God, it's going through the hardwood floor. Yeah. Right. We need to react to this. I think, and I, I think like you said, Mike, it's that rather than being reactive, be plan, be planful, enjoy, like you said, just make the space for them. Right. So you can, you can also do it in the bathtub. As I was going to say. And have a container so that if it spills, it spills on the tub or on the tile floor. Yep. Right. Or if you've got a standing shower, you could put it in the, you know, have them sit on the floor of the standing shower where there's a drain or, or and, stand there. And I think it's important to note that with young children, water that's on the floor, you know, like there is the potential that if they're playing around, they bump their head, they fall. Yes. So that would have an adult there. It's, not dangerous, but at the same time, it wouldn't leave a three-year-old in a bathroom alone playing with right. Absolutely. Right. I, think, I think, yeah, that's something that may not be thought of, or that I think there is maybe some who are on the other side who only see it as a hazard to have slippery floors next to, you know, their tub and things like that, which absolutely, if they fall, they get really hard. So again, that being planful of having your bath mats or your old towels down Mm-hmm. So if you're stepping onto a wet cloth rather than something else. I mean, for me, you know, I have to think about my infinity pool, that uh, my Olympic size infinity pool, and how I'm going to um, work with. That. That's not true. I don't have that. <laughs> um, but, but I think like that, it, or it could be even just s- some large plastic containers. Like if yeah. you don't have a really an adequate farm sink style or. Yeah, all you have is kind of a stand-up sink where there isn't a tub, a shower, or I mean a tub. Then get some old uh, plastic tubs. Empty the holiday decorations, t- yep. you know, Rubbermaid tote, and then make a splash zone. Have something. Yep. Um, I mean, if your if your stores are still open in your states, you know, get a t- get a tube of sand. And make a sandbox, you know, like an indoor sandbox or something. And have a friend of mine on Facebook posted, she made a sandbox in her house. It's just a cardboard box, um, duct taped the edges so that it hopefully won't leak too much. Right. Like, well, it'll make a little bit of a mess, but, you know. <laughs> right. right. And hardware stores, at least in Minnesota, hardware stores are open as, as essential. So if you're making a run to a hardware store right. anyway, sand might be something you can mm-hmm. pick up. I was also thinking about looking at everything a little bit differently in your house. So like you might want to raid your recycle bin and find containers that ah. have caps. Kids love to fill containers and put yep. the caps on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have handles for pouring. So maybe you want to take your laundry soap jug or, or even the caps of laundry soap jugs are good scoops. So kind of looking, I mean, I think teachers naturally look at resources in this way, but I <laughs> don't know that your average family like looks at what's in their recycle box. Like, Oh, wait a minute. That could really be something else. And do you have a funnel? Where's your funnel in the kitchen? Where's your base? Right. Bulb on the end. Do you have some random tubing? 
somehow mm -hmm. like you have an aquarium or did you once or a little piece of PVC pipe in the basement that something could be poured through, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of going on a little treasure hunt. A lot yeah. of people probably have things in their house that they don't even know would be really great sensory tools. Some of that might be things that, again, that changing the rules, things that you didn't let the kid play with, suddenly it's like, oh, you know what? This would be a great thing to use. And yeah. the other thing that occurred to me about the sink is that kids can also wash dishes, depending on the age of the kid or what you, you know, how breakable the dishes are or whatever, you know. But, I mean, some kids really enjoy that idea that they're helping, they're, they're doing work. It's not, right. you know, that they're whatever, grown up because they're washing dishes too, just like their parents. I don't know. It's Don't force your kids to whatever. If you make that an expectation, that's fine. Um, but know that it's going to be messy. Well, and it's kind of a two for one because, I mean, they're going to also get better at it as, as, as they, you know, and they love soapy water. So even if they're yeah. not doing it perfectly at the beginning, even if they're just playing in soapy water and you happen to have a dishwasher and then they're going to go in the dishwasher, you at least have, cleaner yep. dishes heading in. Um, yeah. I, I agree, Mike. I think the other thing, like, mostly just thinking about the experience I have in my program, and I'm sure you guys too, kids do actually help take care of the of the things in the classroom. You know, they, right. they do put their toys away at my school. They bust their dishes after snack. They help set the table. And maybe a lot of families are doing this, but I also know that it's easier sometimes to do things yourself. So, you know, but it might be, a, I don't want to say anything about this is good, but um, it might be an opportunity to Think about what jobs your kids are, might be more capable of than you than you thought, even if they're not going to do it really well at the beginning. Yeah, and you can do, you know, window cleaner. If you make window cleaner with just water and vinegar, I forgot the exact ratio, that they can wash, you know, spray and wash as many things as they want. Or if you just have water in it, they could water the plants, yeah. just in a sprayer, and it takes them forever to do it, but it's really hard to overwater. And then we're talking about, you know, supporting that, Going back to our gross motor, fine motor conversation, I mean, spray bottles, as we've talked about, like just the repetitive nature and how that can really wear out the hand muscles quick. So it build, it's building that strength and that muscular endurance in your hands. But I, I think like on this topic, the doing real chores, real work, we were talking off air or, uh, before the mic went live. Uh, that Mike, you're talking, you know, we talked about doing chores and I think that yeah. this building, this responsibility, especially when you're going to be in the, you know, many families are staying in their homes and not leaving much. Well, it can be very easy just to let things get messy and probably with no fault of their own, but parents picking up more after their children and kind of putting things away and putting the responsibility back to the children to say, Hey, this is our, this is all of our space. You know, we need to put our toys away, but also this is this is how we take care of the dishes. This is how we take care of the plants. This is how we keep our house clean. Do you want to help us sweep? Do you want to run the vacuum? Do you want to help carry the recycling to the bin? And, you know, figuring out ways that children want to do this, because I think, as, we, as many of us know, the, the younger the children are, the more apt they are to want to help and I think it gives them that feeling of being big and doing real work and being helpful and that feels really good and I think especially in this time when you can get kind of cabin fever or kind of that you're just getting at each on each other's nerves we'll figure out ways to help each other as well as take time away from each other I think that's, <laughs> that's, that might be another conversation <laughs> later that give yourself some time apart say I'm gonna well, go read your book now that's a really good thing to raise, Ross, because I think the, you know, just going back to sort of physical needs that we're all going to have right now, but also children is space. And just, you know, like when you're, it, I mean, just imagining being home with your siblings, 
who are not always as kind as your age peers to you. You know, I mean, just you're going to have a lot of sibling rivalry kind of things happening. And, you know, does everyone have a space that's just theirs that nobody else can can mess with? Is it even just a laundry basket that you can sit in and no one's allowed to, like, mess with you while you're in there? Do you have a, a tent that you can take turns, an old cardboard box? I mean, I'm just thinking some mm-hmm. kids are just going to need to get away from. Table with um, a blanket over it. Yeah. So, so, so let's go back to let's go back to something Ross was saying about uh, the chores. Yeah, um, I can I can envision that being a real power struggle. So mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna really depend on the language you use around. Mm-hmm. Let's do chores instead. Not asking a yes or no question. You would would you would you like to do this? Mm-hmm. Nah. Okay, and then yeah. you can accept the no. But it's 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 kind of tricky because you. I can see parents starting to, or anybody at home or in school start to say things like, okay, I'm, since you're not doing this, then you're going to have to do a chore. Right. And it's more like Don't make it a punishment or a, yeah, about discipline or whatever. But it can be an expectation. and It can be an expectation. And a lot of it has to do with the words you use around it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, wow. Thank you for helping when you really were helping. And Joey, you said something that was important too about um, our adult expectations have to be lowered. Like <laughs> we can't expect perfection. I always, I always use this um, phrase that I'm happy with approximations. So if there, I can, I can actually praise the effort if, yep. even if I'm not happy with the outcome. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, maybe you're just giving them washcloths and towels to fold because they're just relatively easy. And, you know, the act of helping. And yes, you got a lumpy, lumpy pile in your towel drawer, you know. Wait, wait, you folded those towels wrong. I'm sorry. You have to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that's not really going to make anyone feel good. On top of that, I think it's also important to give, we talked about this, I don't remember when now, maybe last week, two weeks ago, but an idea of like, don't give them a job, like just turning on the light. You know, that's a common right. one. Right. And it's like, well, that's not. Actually yeah. Yeah. And in the house too, it's like, have them do, they, they know the difference. Like this is something that's really going to help. I just, when you were talking to them, my mom would have us. So I think it was on snow days, you know, we'd be stuck at home. It would only be like one day at a time usually, but we'd wash the walls. Mm. And so it was really like a bucket with warm, soapy water to squeeze the rag. But my mom definitely at the beginning would go over, or maybe my older sister had a towel ready to dry off when, you know, the younger kids would do too much water. But we definitely washed the walls. And you can actually see, (laughs) as any house with kids, you have the dirty handprints, whatever age they are, you know, on the wall. And you actually can see that you're washing things. So... Um, I, I have kids I, do that in the classroom. I've never had such a clean classroom. I mean, and they're yeah. to have a spray bottle and a towel. And for the most part, my put, you know, the puddles are not too out of control. So washing walls or, or surface, you know, watch the kitchen yeah. cupboards while someone's cooking dinner, you know, I mean. Well, I think with that, they're I've not, I may be adding the routine of the day or kind of having that um, writing those jobs out so the children know kind of day to day what maybe the jobs or the chores are going to be for the day and having 
either kind of a group discussion about it mm-hmm. to say, all right, who's doing this job? Who's doing this job? Or to say, you know, we'll do this job and then we'll do this thing and having this job, you know, th- that way I think the predictability is there or that children can expect rather than like, wait, we got to wash the walls today. I thought we were doing couch forts and like, oh, well, you know, I think so if, if we can yeah. give, especially young children, that expectation of what the jobs will be or what the, what's going to be on the day's agenda might feel better um yeah and and that everyone can work with and so it might be collective like we're all going to wash the walls together okay and then joey you're going to take care of you know shaking out the rugs mike you're going to take care of folding the towels tom you're going to take care of spraying down the bathroom wall and you know they we can kind of if if children know and have that in their mind ahead of time, it probably will feel better and be a little bit easier to make the things, uh, make those. I would even suggest. I want to shake out the rugs. Hey, let's bring back back beating the rugs. Yeah. That would be really. Go get your wooden spoon and beat the rug. There you go. Can I give a couple more ideas? Yes. And going back to more of the large muscle kinds of stuff. I, I, you know, I, was looking on the internet and there was a really cool idea about just a balance board and it did it was it they were using a a large stick or a, like a stump and that just a regular board and then the kids went oh, yeah. back and forth so that's a that's a really kind of an easy one the other one is like jumping just jumping over sticks Oh yeah or making making uh uh Ross was saying before kind of like a a path through the house. It doesn't even have to be a path through the house. It could just be in a room and you can put sticks or brooms certain lengths apart and they jump. And I also saw another cool one where the parent had made a, a picture of a fly and the, and the child was trying to swat the fly and the parent would move it. You know, I like, saw that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Um, let's see. Another one was um, getting two of the kids to carry balls around the house in a blanket. Well, you, just using a blanket or you, maybe even like a, a pillowcase and one child stands on one end, the other child's yeah. the other, and they're carrying it around. Like a stretcher, a, sorry. A I come up with the word. Like that. Yeah. So those are more large muscle kinds of things. Yeah. yeah, and slightly older kids could even do it, that game where the ball is in between their bodies to move together. Wait, yeah. is that social distancing? <laughs> yeah, you cooped up. There's no such thing as social dis- distancing when you're in the house together, I don't That's think. Right. <laughs> Well, one thing I said in a, um, I'll let us maybe wrap up this and talk about some other um, uh, home isolation things to consider for young children. But um, one thing I did point out in a post that I was making for my families at school, I think going back to the sibling thing, if you are doing, you know, just rough and tumble play at home, which I think is absolutely fine. It's different with siblings. And, you know, we always talk about, oh, how you read social cues and you stop because they don't like it. Well, when it's your little brother, stop because you're glad they don't like it. Um, I think that the parents uh, really need to be a little more involved. And if you're doing just real physical, you know, just rolling around wrestling, that probably the adult being a partner might be, I don't know every family situation, but that might be better than doing it with your brother or sister, because you're not really going to stop. You know, you're going to get that extra jab in there or what have you. And you're going to just possibly prick up some rivalry issues that you didn't mean to when you really speak from experience. Oh, no, no, not at all. No. <laughs> so anyway, just I think um, something for families to keep in mind that yeah. what we describe as going so well in the classroom is going to be different with siblings, Absolutely. if that makes any sense. Anyway, um, well, 
thanks for doing the first isolation episode. I don't know what we're going to call it. Distancing, <laughs> distancing meeting. Um, and uh, look forward to talking with you guys again soon. It's really good to be together again. Yeah, thanks, Joey. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs>